This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ontario courtrooms began reopening this week with new safety protocols, including a requirement that visitors fill out COVID-19 screening cards. Inside the courtrooms, plexiglass barriers have been installed around the judge's dais, court clerk desks, and at council tables, as well as around the jury boxes, though jurors are not expected to return for months. This despite the fact that Crown attorneys were seeking an injunction to delay returning to courthouses on the grounds that they are unsafe. All of this happening against the backdrop of a huge backlog 144,000 cases compared to about 116,000 last year. So, joining me now, Ari Goldkind, criminal defense lawyer, and Tony Loparco, president of the Ontario Crown Attorneys Association. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, Tony, let's start with you. So, what's happening with your injunction? Well, we uh, put the injunction on hold uh, for the time being because um, right as we were about to uh, file, uh, we were given what I call a document dump. The uh, assessments uh, that uh, were were basically completed by uh, individuals uh, hired by the what's called the Recovery Secretariat. Really, you know, weird sounding name for basically you know uh, a a group of people put together to try to. to uh, make sure that the return uh, to courts was uh, safe. But uh, the uh, risk assessments, uh, you know, were done prior to a lot of the, uh, uh, what they call uh, precautionary measures being put up. Uh, For instance, you talked about plexiglass, uh, other uh, other, uh, engineered solutions to ensure that people are uh, safe when they go back into the courtrooms. And... uh, the uh, other concern was that many of the risk assessors had absolutely no experience in the courts whatsoever. Uh, we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, before people go back, and frankly, you know, there's a misconception that uh, crown attorneys don't want to work. That's far from the truth. Uh, they've been working, frankly, uh, remotely uh, since this thing happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as the association to ensure that when people return, Everybody, not just assistant crown attorneys, but everybody using the uh, courts are safe. Uh, With the document dump that happened, an expert that we retained required time to go through that material. And uh, we've been continually uh, sent material since that time. And uh, as a result, uh, we were trying to negotiate uh, uh, some type of, uh, I wouldn't call it a settlement, but uh, an assurance that... uh, uh, that uh, many of the uh, concerns that we had were addressed. For instance, the uh, policy on masks has been all over the place. At times they said people weren't going to be required to wear masks. Other times they said that uh, uh, that uh, they were going to be retire- uh, required, but with tons of exemptions. And you didn't have to say uh, why you uh, didn't want to wear a mask. All you had to say is, I have a reason. And that was it. They were not uh, required to give that reason. Okay. 
Um, let's uh, move on to Ari for a minute. Ari, have you been back in court yet? Uh, no, I start my first Superior Court trial on Monday coming up. My associate is in St. Catharines this morning on a trial. And by the way, let me say hi to Tony, because Tony and I know each other, so I think I should say hi to Tony. Okay, good. Um, I can tell you, Libby, that uh, I have many friends and colleagues, including many crowns, who are in court today. I've asked for updates from them. I think this is a very interesting issue. It's one of those issues, um, Libby, that I think both sides of the argument, there's probably three here, all have valid points. A lot of times we discuss issues that there's only one right answer, and anybody who doesn't see it that way is not thinking clearly. I think the Crown Attorneys Association makes a lot of very valid points here. Libby, for example, if I was a 62-year-old Crown Attorney in a high-risk group, do I want to be a guinea pig going back to court versus some 23-year-old young whippersnapper like I currently am? Those are very, (laughs) very live issues. And Libby, if you look at the science of this, and I use the term science loosely, We're learning more each day in the last week about HVAC systems and how this is airborne and what it's like being in indoor buildings. So there's that issue for Tony, obviously very uh, properly representing his members. If I was a Crown attorney, I'd want this fight being fought for me, particularly if I'm in a high-risk group. But then the balancing act, Libby, comes into play from the criminal defense lawyer point of view, which is how do you do this balancing and get the show on the road and for a whole lot of people stuck in jail, let's forget the people out of custody for a moment, but the people that are stuck in jail wanting their day in court with the massive backlog, Zoom trials don't seem to be doing anything fast or in a hurry. So how do you balance all of those needs with people that are presumed innocent, people that may have very, very good defenses, not slam dunk prosecutions? Do we tell them they've got to wait another three, six, nine months until the virus is gone? Because Libby, I'll answer my, I'll end my answer here and go where you wish, which is this is something that on my notion, Libby, we're going to be living with not just for months, but probably longer. And if you're somebody wasting away in a jail where you can't social distance, you have a very good defense to the charges. You know, you might look at this situation and go, well, wait a minute, where do I start to count? Where do I fit in here? But it is absolutely, Libby, a conundrum that I don't think there's a perfect answer to. Okay. Uh, Yes or no, before we move back to Tony, uh, do you feel safe going into court, uh, you said, uh, next week, I think? I would probably say right now, based on my gut feeling as a 46-year-old man, I'm not a 23-year-old whippersnapper, I would probably say I have a lot of misgivings, not necessarily because of what the court system has or hasn't done, but because of my concern with how the science changes every day to HVAC systems and it being airborne. But I'm not throwing shade at the people who run the courthouses or anything like that. It's a personal misgiving because I think the science on this evolves every day. Sorry, that's not a yes or no, but that's an RE answer. Okay, by the way, there are some scientists who are saying that that there's a tempest in a teapot over this, but um, that's a whole different discussion. Tony Loparco, I know that a uh, 60-year-old Crown attorney from Toronto uh, tragically died of COVID pretty early on in the pandemic. Uh, is, is, Is that uh, you know, one of the driving forces of your concern? Well, certainly uh, he was, uh, he had just recently retired from our association and had started immediately working for the uh, federal DPP uh, and ended up uh, contracting it. I got to tell you, he's one of the fittest 
men that I knew in the system. And when uh, he passed away, it certainly uh, created uh, shock uh, throughout our system. But he wasn't the only one. There were other individuals who were very, very ill, also some who were quite fit. And uh, so it's not a one, you know, one uh, and out kind of situation. The, 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 the fact is it's a risk for a lot of people. And you just don't, just don't know. It doesn't have to be someone who's uh, in, in the 50 category. The, the other two that were really ill that I knew of are in their, were in their 40s. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not that we say you, you don't go back to court. We say you take the precautions necessary to make sure that when we go back to court, it's uh, extremely safe. And, uh, for instance, they don't even know what uh, the proper occupancy rates are. They, they've been coming up with numbers uh, all over the place. Uh, one courthouse, some uh, of the people at the front door thought that you could have 400 people in the courthouse. Others thought 200 people in the courthouse. One person said 1,500 people in the courthouse. So yeah, that being the Brampton Court, which is a very large courthouse, as Ari knows. But the fact of the matter is the fact that they don't have you know, that type of protocol established before we go back tells you how uh, up in the air uh, you know, everything is, which means that you're, you're potentially unsafe. And as Archie Campbell, Justice Archie Campbell said during the SARS inquiry, that you use, when you're not sure, you use the precautionary principle and, uh, you know, you, uh, you basically uh, hold off until you're much more sure. And, and in this case, I mean, when you don't know how many people you can put in a courtroom, you're not enforcing the wearing of masks, there's deficiencies in all types of engineering uh, issues, including the use of plexiglass. Uh, I understand uh, yesterday there was no enforcing of physical distancing. You've got potential problems, whether uh, you're a 23-year-old whippersnapper or a 59-year-old like myself. So are you going to uh, revisit that injunction? Well, it, it, it will depend to, to a certain degree what happens during the course of this week. We're collecting data to find out what's going on. And I've got to tell you, at this point, uh, some places are much better than others, uh, depending on how... Uh, you know, or what we find out, we could, uh, we could in fact uh, proceed with an injunction. And as a matter of fact, I'm uh, in the process of finalizing an affidavit uh, uh, should we proceed. Ari, uh, what have you been hearing from your clients? Well, okay, so I think there's a couple parts there. And, you know, obviously I understand everything Tony said, but let's, let's add a bit more of the criminal defense lawyer and client components to it. They're very frustrated from a client point of view. You can understand that. You and Libby know how many trials and preliminary hearings have been bumped since March up until now. And clients still don't know, particularly in the lower court, when they're going to have their day in court. Now, you'll remember, there's a lot of people who criticize the Crown Attorneys Association for this injunction because, you know, the Criminal Lawyers Association, uh, a very um, diligent group, had to go off and get a 93-page affidavit saying jails are dangerous, while Crown Attorneys, and this is, I'm not speaking for them because I think there's more nuance here, but Crown Attorneys were seeking certain people's detention and saying jails can be relatively safe. So some people said that's hypocrisy. I don't necessarily get into that kind of back and forth, but from a client point of view, you know, you can understand somebody saying, hey, wait a minute, you Crown Attorneys don't want to go back to court with all the precautions being taken, but we are stuck in court, and last time I checked, our Constitution says we're presumed innocent. When am I getting my day in court? So there is that tension, but again, Libby, I'm simply saying we don't have perfect answers yet, and let me picture this. 
picture this for your for your listeners who sort of have their mind's eye to court. You know, Crown attorneys, and Tony will tell you this from his previous courthouse, they often have separate entrances into the courthouse. When you are elevated to the point of Mount Rushmore, which is being a judge, you go in a special parking lot, you go in a special gate, you go in special elevators, you have a much greater opportunity to distance from other people. Think through clients going through the cells and guards. Think through criminal defense lawyers, maybe. Nobody talks about this. I've got to go through the front door with everybody else. Remember how asymptomatic this virus, according to the science, depending on what you believe, this virus is transferable asymptomatically by those who do not have symptoms or a temperature. As a criminal lawyer, and, you know, a lot of courthouses, probably the Crowns and I walk through the same door. But there's a lot of real issues here in terms of very specific uh, members of this system. And I can tell you, Libby, walking through the front doors of the Brampton Courthouse or the Oshawa Courthouse for me, that will probably cause me as much worries, even if I'm wearing a mask, as would anything else, because we just don't know who's coming. And by the way, Libby, leaving aside clients in jail. Many accused people out of custody now don't even know what's going on. That being said, Libby, we are in a very weird time, and I completely understand that there is a lot of confusion about these things. Okay, well, this is a subject. We'll just have to see how it turns out. Thank you so much, Ari Goldkind and Tony Loparco. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.